Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, movie fans. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. We have a great pre-Father's Day treat for you today, folks, because we're revisiting our discussion with Chris Lemon, who talks about A Twist of Lemon, his acclaimed book about his famous father, Jack Lemon, one of Hollywood's most popular actors. Happily for movie fans, Chris's touching family memoir also includes many fascinating behind-the-scenes stories, and you know how much we love those, relating to his father's remarkable movie career. I'm happy to report that Chris is currently starring as Jack Lemon in the musical play Jack Lemon Returns at the Royal Gorge Theater in Chicago and to rave reviews. And we all know Jack Lemon was terrific in so many wonderful films, including Days of Wine and Roses, my favorite, Mr. Roberts, Some Like It Hot, The Odd Couple, Save the Tiger, The Apartment, Missing, and The China Syndrome. He was skilled at doing both comedy and drama equally well, and that's one of the reasons I enjoyed his performances so much. And, you know, moviegoers couldn't seem to get enough of him. And following in his father's footsteps, Chris chose showbiz as his career. Among the highlights of his impressive background are appearances in over 20 films, three with his dad, and those three were Airport 77, That's Life, and appropriately, Dad. Before hearing from Chris, let's check with Nikki, our producer extraordinaire, to see if she's ready to help with the show. Nikki, are all systems go in the chat room? They are, and we're ready. <laughs> I I understand that you're a fan of Jack Lemons, just like I am. Am I right of about course. that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I he's he's had so many wonderful performances that I think anyone who's had a chance to see him on the on the screen becomes a fan. I hope um, that we will have some. Um, chatters who sign up for the chat room. In fact, I see that uh, Molo911, I think that's uh, Morgan Lawrence, has joined us. Uh, Hi, uh, Morgan. We're so glad that you you could be with us. And I know that there will be others that sign in. I hope the chatters will uh, share their favorite Jack Lemmon films and performances with, with us. And now we're about to hear... Chris Lemon, and you're going to see what a great storyteller he is. Well, of course, Chris is here with us now, so it's my great pleasure to introduce him. Welcome to Movie Addict Headquarters, Chris. Oh, hello, Betty Joe. It's a pleasure to be with you. We're honored that you could be with us, Chris. Uh, there's been a lot of excitement about your appearance. Uh, I've received more uh, emails about your appearance than any other guest that we've had on Movie Addict Headquarters. So well, I thought, 
<laughs> I'm very happy to hear that. And congratulations on your wonderful book. Thank you so much. I really um, mean it when I recommend it to uh, to everyone who loved Jack Lemmon and who's interested in the father-son relationship uh, because it does cover both topics uh, so poignantly. And I know that your father made so many great films. He received eight Oscar nominations, I believe, and actually won two, and close to 100 films and TV programs that, that he had on his resume. That's quite amazing. But I can't help wondering if you knew about his acting philosophy and, and what that was. Well, absolutely. I, it's, I think that I explain it um, a, a great deal and in great depth in the book, as uh, Kevin mentions as well, Kevin Spacey, who wrote the foreword. Um, and I think it really, well, I, Kevin said it very eloquently in the foreword. Uh, before, as far as anybody knows, before any take Jack Lemmon ever did, uh, he said two words, and those words were magic time. And yes. As Kevin, yes. As Kevin says in the foreword, it was really more than just a simple calling to his muse. It was really a statement of him as a human being. And I think that that really, if you, I mean, we can all talk about our individual techniques, but those are very, very personal, um, uh, just like technique in, in any, any art form would be. But uh, to imbue his, his spirit into a character, you see, that's, that's really what, what the great actors have the ability to do so seamlessly, as did my father. And Jack Lemmon really truly was a magical human being. He was a magical person. Being around him was magical. He was a human leprechaun. And he had that ability to seamlessly fit those, those wonderful and, and charming qualities of his into every performance that he ever did. And uh, that's why it was magic time on or off the screen. Uh, one of the things that compelled me to want to publish this very personal book was that he was so delightful off screen and that I knew a person that, that nobody out there did. Uh, they never got to see that side of Jack Lemmon. Um, they saw the wonderful things he was on screen, but that's one of the things that led me to want to publish so I could let everybody have a little taste of the wonderful things he was off. Well, I'm so glad you did, and I like your description there of uh, Jack Lemmon being like a leprechaun. Because he really was. Yeah, leprechauns, I mean, <laughs> they were magical. So, yeah, he was so full of beans and, and so cheeky and fun and, and just great great fun to be around. And anything you ever did with him was just enhanced. Yet at the same time, he was really such a gallant human being. You know, Wherever he went, he would just raise the bar. And it's really one of the traits I admired most in him and have done my best to try to emulate. Well, he certainly was a wonderful role model for you. How did he happen to become an actor? Well, I think it was destiny. I mean, I think he was an actor from the, the moment he came on the scene. Um, you know, I tell tell the story about him being born in the uh, elevator of the well Newton Wellesley Hospital. Uh, he didn't even make it to the delivery room, uh, as di as happened with my th third child. Um, You're kidding? No, no. It's, it's I really do think that the stuff of the parent is passed down. I talk about it in the book as the lemon legacy, um, that kind of legacy of bumbling bewilderment that that really coined pop and 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 gave him that everyman moniker and. Uh, you know, I have it too, and uh, when the two of us would get together, it would be magnified triple-fold, and, and it's, it's, there it is right on, on my, my kids as well. I mean, you know, my kid was born in the middle of a thunderstorm going down I-84. Uh, uh, it barely made it to the, to the livery room, and, and if you take a look at that same child, he's got that Jack Lemmon grin pasted all over his face. And so, 
you know, it's it's just the way he was, and that's I think it, in, in a, a bit more of an elaboration on your first question. I think that's one of the things that made him so charming in all of these various roles uh, across the demographics and across the emotional spectrum. I mean, you know, he really was Harry uh, Harry Stoner in Save the Tiger. He really was the character in in um, uh, um, uh, the Out of Towners who you know, at, against all odds, finally conquers New York only to be hijacked to Cuba on the way home, on his jet flight home to Ohio. What an ending to a movie. <laughs> it certainly was, and it was just so so typical of Jack Lemmon, but even magnified even more so off screen than it was on. Um, you know, I, I speak about, and we'll get into this as we speak a little later on, but these wonderful adventures that we took together. You know, for instance, w- one of the places we went was uh, up catch and release fly fishing up in Alaska. And fly fishing with Jack Lemon wasn't fly fishing. You know, it was the rest of us fly fishing while Jack Lemon did Felix Unger on, on the banks of the stream trying to straighten out a tackle box or getting bombed by irate eagles and, and chased by, you know, enraged bears. You know, only Jack Lemon could. You know, or, uh, that's a that's a great part of your book. <laughs> it's, it's good fun. I mean, you know, I, actually, I don't think I ever really saw him catch a trout that didn't at least pull him into the stream first. So you're kidding? <laughs> no, it, it really. It's. I mean, it, it really is true. I mean, that that wonderful quality uh, that that you know that Lemon legacy, uh, which I unfortunately have as well, have inherited. I mean, it's it was it was him. So. He well, was just so much fun to be with. Oh, I, and that comes through loud and clear in uh, A Twist of Lemon. Uh, why do you think he loved acting so much, Chris? Well, I think that, you know, again, I mean, I, uh, I, I don't want to paint this book as, as, you know, as contrite either. I mean, I, I really kind of do get, get down into it and... and you know, and there's nothing. Look, there's no wire coat hangers anywhere in this book. So people. Oh, this isn't that, uh, Joan Crawford. Uh, this isn't a daddy. This is uh, not a daddy dearest. No, this this is not that. Um, but on the other hand, I didn't cop out. I hope. Uh, and you know, we we do get into it. Uh, and I think that a lot of 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 his love of acting was not just his incredible talent and his ability to realize that what his calling in life really was. But it was also where he felt the safest as a human being. Uh, this was a man who had, you know, had difficult with, uh, difficulty with close emotional commitment. Uh. Um, you know, he was the first person, if you got a little too close, to say, hello, operator, we got a bad connection, which was, <laughs> one, of, one, of, was one of his favorite lines. And uh, it, it made for interesting fodder and in the father-son relationship. You know, uh, uh, for instance, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times he'd never really say anything to me about our relationship, but I'd hear it from everybody else around me how proud he was, or, or any other of the other aspects of our relationship. And I think that that there was uh, that acting allowed him a safe to really invest himself emotionally in something without the fear of becoming too close, and in that aspect becoming vulnerable. So he actually. I, I don't know. I'm a little bit confused here. It's but interesting, maybe. isn't it? It's 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 really fascinating if you think about it. Uh, and that is the depth of, of what this book is all about. You know, the father-son relationship is a, is a really fascinating thing. And this book was born out of a, a defense mechanism. Uh, my father died of a protracted illness of cancer in 2001, and I'd been through it with my mother before that. I lost both oh. my parents to that insidious disease. Uh, thusly, my, my close working relationship with the American Cancer Society. Uh, but as a defense, really, there was nothing I could do in the final days when he was there but not really there, except to sit next to him, hold his hand, and remember the times that we had together, the good and the bad. 
And that, uh, after he was gone, uh, as, as an attempt at a catharsis, I started writing those memories down. And as I wrote some down, more would unfold and more would unfold. And I really felt, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it was a healing process. The catharsis was happening for me. I also wanted to write them down for my kids so they could know this side of that man uh, when they got older, too. I remember my daughter once coming to me with big tears. We call it big tears when they really cry. And she said, you know, I feel that the world knows my grandfather better than I do. And, boy, that really struck me. And those were the reasons I originally started writing this very personal memoir slash biography, autobiography. But then I, I realized I was kind of really beginning to investigate something that wasn't investigated very often, and that was the, the, the mysterious father-son relationship, the loving yet guarded, one of the most important relationships a man can ever have. And right. uh, yeah, and and uh, I, I think you know that in life, even in relationships that aren't functional, um, and certainly in the ones that are, that the son seeks approval from the father, and in turn, there's a quiet hand on that son's shoulder, um, you know, reassuring them. And when the father goes, uh, that hand is gone too. You know that famous old quote: "A man doesn't become a man until he loses his father." And the accompanying aloneness, at least for me, was, was overwhelming. And that was the birth, that was the reason. That you, you've got a lemon on the phone, incidentally. We do a half hour on hello, so just shut me up if I rattle on too much. I will or Nikki will, but okay, this is so go. interesting well, uh, what well, you're revealing. Finally, the, uh, the, the final thing that, that actually said, you know what, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and publish this very personal account, um, was that he really was so beloved. I mean, people really did adore Jack Lemmon. He really did please most of the people most of the time. He really was that everyman. And he, these memories in this book that, uh, you know, are so personal and, and run the emotional spectrum from melancholy to hopefully knee-slappingly funny, because uh, he was, and that's what I tried to be, um, I just felt compelled to share them uh, with all those people that do love him. And so that was the final that the, the final straw, you know, that that said yes, I, I think I want to go ahead and. Well, I I think you you've done a wonderful job on this, Chris, and that we have uh, such a, a better understanding of Jack Lemmon, both as an actor and as a as a father by by reading this book. And so what you're telling us is that he loved acting because he could express his emotions. Without without getting too close. Yes, without getting without getting well, too sure, close. It makes him vulnerable if it's done on a, on a one-to-one basis. In real life, you become vulnerable when you open yourself up to another person. Right. Did he prefer comedy or drama? Did you know? I, I think he. I think the whole point of 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 his uh, statement as an artist, as an actor, was that he preferred both. Uh, that was something that he really struggled against early in his career was being pigeonholed as a comedic actor and that's why he was turning work down uh, um, to, to get the right vehicle which probably ended up being Days of Wine and Roses uh, w- which was the real, even though the apartment boy there was some magnificent he- you know, depth to that as well, uh, though it would be deemed a, a, a comedic performance uh, well, a, com- a comedy uh, That uh, Days of Wine and Roses is my favorite Jack well, sure. Lemmon performance sure. I mean, and, you know, uh, I mean, it's, and it haunts me. Pieces. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was just mentioning that it still haunts me. It was it was so brilliant. He 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 definitely became the character well, 
sure he did. You in know, that. And, and it was a wonderful beginning to his relationship with Blake Edwards as well. They, you know, they did a number of films together, and, and uh, you know, Blake is just a, 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 a equally brilliant artist himself in his own way. Um, and but that was the one I think that, that broke him through, and, and it was, it, as we call it, the hot kiss at the end of the wet fist for all those people out there who wanted to pigeonhole Jack Lemmon as a, as a comedic actor. Right, because he was a wonderful uh, dramatic actor, too. Why do you think uh, he was so popular with everyone? Do you know that I saw so many Jack Lemmon films and looked forward to them so much and loved them so much, um, I almost thought of him as part of my family. And well, I wonder. It. I wonder that's exactly if it. It really was, as I said, it was that everyman quality. Uh, you know, he he really was such a nebbish in real life, and he really and he the one thing that he the two he did two things really brilliantly. One of them was the ability to to take those parts of himself that imbued that that aspect uh, and others into his characters and seamlessly fit them in there, and then without ever letting the wire show be able to fill in the gaps with technique. And that's, let's face it, I mean, that's what really true great acting is, is all about. The other thing that he did, maybe, and this is what Cliff Robertson in his little uh, uh, few pages in the book says uh, so so brilliantly. Uh, you know, Cliff was the original person to play that, that character in, in, in uh, uh, Days of Wine and Roses. You know that. As a he, was, he was set to play the part that uh, your dad finally no, took did. in Days of Wine and Roses. No, no, The Days of Wine and Roses was originally a teleplay, and Cliff played played that character. Oh, yes, right. Yeah, yeah. But so. as Cliff said it uh, so well, and it really is true, and I, I uh, tell a number of stories about it in the book, he had the ability to do something which, in my opinion, is equally as important as, as the actual work of acting, which is to pick which parts and pick which, which uh, projects to be in. And his instincts were phenomenal, as good as any or maybe even better uh, than any out there uh, at picking the right projects. Uh, one of the stories I tell that points that out, and having the right instincts for them as well, uh, that I tell in, this, in the book that points that out is that he was originally offered a, a project that he fell in love with and said, boy, I really want to be a part of this project. I want to produce this project, but I don't feel I'm right to play this part. As a matter of fact, I know who is. And he approached that actor. The actor said yes, and boy was Pop right, because following following year, uh, God bless his soul, Paul Newman was nominated for an Academy Award for his performance in Cool Hand Luke. Cool Hand Luke. Pop and was originally offered that part, said, I think Paul Newman's better at this part, but I want to produce it because I think this is going to be one hell of a film. Now, talk about instincts. And oh, he had being, great about instincts. Being enough. Yes, that, that's the whole point. Talk about being selfless enough to understand what is going to make the best possible movie, as averse to saying, wow, what a role. And, right. Uh, and, and now, of course, there was the other side of the coin as well. Uh, he didn't make many mistakes. Uh, I can only really remember two, and I write about both, and one of them is, my, is one of my favorite stories. Uh, it was a film that he starred in that just wasn't very good, and he wasn't all that great in it either, and I think he knew it. So he went to his buddy Walter Matthau and uh, said, Walt, will you come to the screening with me and be my security blanket while I watch this thing? And this kind of proves my point that choosing the right project, because if you choose the wrong one, you're stuck with it forever. Um, and they went and they saw the screening, and sure enough, the thing was a barker. And afterwards, everybody was filing out very quietly. And as anybody who's, who's involved in the business knows, quietly is never good at the end of a screening. And finally, very nervously, Pop turned to Walter and said, well, it, 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 well so, so what did you think? 
Walter thought about it a second and turned to him and said, get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good advice, Walter. Well, it's bar, you know, it's just so Walter, you know, in, in, just, uh, in just four words, he can capitalize such a complicated, uh, you know, thing and, and, and get a good good laugh at it. <laughs> well, well, your father and Walter Matthau made uh, about ten movies together. Something and, like that, yeah, eight, ten, something like that. And they were such good friends. Uh, why do you think they became such good friends? Well, I think it was a match made in heaven um, uh, on screen. Uh, it, it was just one of those things that, that, you know, it was it. Yeah, when you see a great performer, when you see a great actor, you can sit and talk and flap your gums all day long. But what it really boils down to is something completely unexplainable at the end of the day, which I call the it factor. They've just got it. And that's, I think, true of, of comedy teams and comedy duos as well, like Hope and Crosby, like Laurel and Hardy, like Abbott and Costello, and like Matthau and Lemon. They just had it. Uh, they did. They definitely it. had the, the and it off screen, off off screen, quite honestly, and, and in, in the number of stories that Walter's included in, in the book, I, I, I hinted this too without trying to, I, I tried to write the whole book without hitting any nails on the head, you know, that's, who wants to read a book where all the nails are being hit on the head? But I think that that Waltz really was the big brother that Pop never had and always wanted. You know, Pop was an only child. He always wanted a brother. But boy, after what, after what, God bless gorgeous Gigi. She called herself gorgeous Grandma Gigi for short. His mother. Uh, she said, "I'm never doing it again." After she had Pop, never again. <laughs> You know when she, when she, you know when Pop asked her for for a brother, and I think Waltz was that brother. And I'll tell you, um, it, I think if Waltz had learned to play golf, Pop probably would have married him. He would have married him. I think you're probably right. Well, you worked with your father on um, three films: Dad, That's Life, and Airport 77. That's right. Is that yeah? And actually, you know, the, That's Life was was a, was a uh, uh, was a Blake film as well. And, yes, and uh, and what was it like to work with him on a film? It was just, you know, it was joyful. There was, again, you know, the whole thing is just not to let the work show. You know, you do, and of course all of that comes from, from properly preparing for the work as well. But, uh, and, and Pop was as good as any at prepping. Um, uh, and also that life was a wonderfully unique experience um, uh, that uh, you know, we, we actually ad-libbed the entire movie. There was no script for that. Really? Part. Yeah, yeah. We got, we got together in rehearsal, ad-lib our scenes, and then kind of lock in and go in and do them. So it was really a very unique experience in that aspect. But you never saw the work with Pop. It was, again, it was, the work was all there, of course, but it was, it was effortless. And, of course, that's what, what any actor shoots for, uh, you know, beautiful like a Ferrari. Um, and you're not looking at all that, the, the incredible engine, the incredible brakes and suspension. And this, you're looking at that beautiful body. You know that stuff's underneath, but you're still looking at the beautiful body, and that's, what giving performances, uh, great performances in acting, I, I think, should should be like. Uh, you never show the work. The work right. Never done. never let the wheels show. Right. Exactly. Uh, but the work's all been done because that's why the performance is there. Right. As I mentioned before, Chris, uh, I just love the way you included so many movie insider stories about mm -hmm. your dad, <laughs> because of course I am a movie addict. And uh, what do you think is the funniest one that you included in your book i have my i have two of my favorites but boy there's, there's a ton of them um and again that was when i went to my dear wife and 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 you know as as a, a few minutes ago when we were talking about the why of my publishing this book you know and i gave her all of these reasons some light some heavy and this and that and she uh, you know in her wonderful inimitable wisdom kind of shook her head and said uh-huh 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 and then she turned to me and said make it funny 
because that's what Pop was. He was just darn funny. Um, I think Vernalisi's husband's story. Uh, yes, you know, that's uh, one of my favorites, yeah, what, right? You know, Vernalisi's husband chasing him through the Paramount lot, you know, uh, maybe one of my favorites. Um, I, I don't know if I should paraphrase it now, but just very quickly, this, I, that was on How to Murder Your Wife. And right. a nasty fall, um, and uh, and really pulled some muscles in his back, and this and that, and and he was storming, you know, just wanted to go and lay down. So he stormed through the studio, and they had all these little cottage dressing rooms that were all alike. And Vernalisi's husband was uh, a you know a, a, a from it. They're from Italy. I mean, this guy's a full-blown Italian, barely speaks any English, and he was extremely jealous of the fact that Vernie was playing this sexy character who's being catcalled by people, and he showed up, you know, flew cross-country because of his jealousy, or, I'm sorry, crossed the pond because of his jealousy, and, and uh, found her in a scene where the, the construction guys are catcalling her, had an absolute tantrum. She finally calmed him down, and she's in the, in the dressing room without a stitch of clothing on, and Pop mistook her room for his and came bursting in. Well, that's all this guy needed to see. It was all over, and it literally turned into a Keystone Cops movie with... You know, Pop furtively running through the alleys of Paramount Studios with this irate six foot five Italian running after him, <laughs> with Vern Alisi with the, uh, not a stitch of clothing except a, a bathrobe, cl- you know, clung around her, chasing after him, with all the grips and the crew and the producers chasing after them, and finally the director afterwards screaming, "Cut! Cut!" <laughs> it's like a movie itself. I, it that really was, was one of my yeah, favorites. Yeah. I like the George Cukor story too on the well, very first movie that. Yeah, uh, yeah that your dad uh, made uh, and George Cooker really taught him a lesson about yeah, acting didn't absolutely. he well you know pop is a con- was a court- contained tornado i mean it, you know at, at i mean take a look at, at like Ensign Pulver and some uh, Mr. Roberts you know i mean this is the kind of energy or or of course you know god bless Daphne in in some like it hot this is the kind of energy this man had and uh, Cukor was marvelous because you know they were doing i believe what was it what, uh, it's a wonderful life or something or or something like that um uh, oh, well, anyway, uh, it was one of his first films, and Pops on the set, of course, being a, a contained tornado, and Kukor with that marvelous kind of underbite lisp that he had was like, Oh, Jack, Jack, that's a lovely performance, dear, but just could you give me a little bit less? Pops <laughs> would say, Okay, a little bit less, a little bit less. Okay, all right, here we go. And he comes in and she starts chewing up the furniture again, and Kukor again is, Just lovely, Jack, cut a little bit less, Jack, a little bit less. And finally, you know, Pop turns to him and says, Jesus Christ, George, if I give you any less, I won't be acting. To which Cukor turned to him and said, exactly. <laughs> I think that's just a classic. Oh, Chris, I wonder, um, we've extended the show for, for 15 minutes and so that we can take some calls. And I notice we have sure. a call now. Would you be willing to take it? Sure, of course. Okay, hold on. Area code 828, thank you for holding. This is Movie Addict Headquarters. And we have Chris Lemon as a guest. Who's calling, please? Hi, uh, this is Wild Wagon. Well, hi, Wild Wagon. Did you? Thank you for calling. Do you have a question or a comment for Chris Lemon? Yeah, I have a question for Chris. Uh, I want to know how uh, it was growing up with a famous dad in the movie industry. Well, it's it's interesting. Um, it, it, I actually ended up, because that was the one question I was asked more than any other question in my entire life, was what's it like to be Jack Lemmon's son? And I finally ended up having to write a chapter in this book in order to give the, the, the proper answer for it, because it covered so, such a, a large area of emotional investment. Um, so the best answer I can say to, to everybody out there listening is, 
go by the book and, uh, and yes. the Jack Lemon Sun chapter, and uh, that question will be answered as thoroughly and completely as I possibly can. Um, well, that's a good a quick, answer. Not, not, and not to completely cop out on you, Wild, but uh, okay. as a quick sidebar, yes, it was a little difficult in the aspect that as a child you are identified as an object, not as a person. In my case, Jack Lemon's son and not Chris Lemon. But let me just say this, that on the other side of the coin, he was, again, so magical, so wonderful, such a great guy, and not just my father, but my very best friend. So there's the two sides to that coin. Uh, and, and also, thank you for, for saying that, because one of the things I really, when I set out to write this, well, when I set out to, to when I made the decision to publish this book, the one thing I didn't want to do was start saying, oh, poor me. You never saw my father do it once in any of the performances he ever gave, and boy, there were some characters like C.C. Baxter in the apartment who could have gotten very self-indulgent and self-piteous, and you never saw him do it, and you never saw him do it in real life, not even until the day he died. Uh, his, his only thought was for us, his family. And the last thing I wanted to do was write a book where I started going, oh, poor me, and you know, do another one of these I'm, I'm sorry, you know, if, I, if I'm being a little blanketing, but one of these stars' kids, you know, crying to the cup of tea. You know what? I don't think anybody wanted to hear that about Jack Lemon, and I don't want to publish that when our sons and daughters are overseas giving their lives for our country. The last thing I think they need to hear is a stars' kid crying to his cup of tea. That's a great. Thank you for that question. That is a great answer, and that was a wonderful question, Wild Wagon. Thanks so much for calling. I think this is a good place to stop the uh, the recording uh, because we do have another caller, uh, live caller from today's chat, and I'm so glad that Morgan Lawrence is here and uh, has agreed to call in because he's had quite a bit of acting experience himself. So let's bring Morgan on right now. Hi, Morgan. Hi, Betty Jo. How are you? Well, I'm just fine. It's so good to hear from you. I know we haven't heard from you in a long time because you've been very busy with your own acting career. Do you want to bring our listeners up to date? Uh, well, yeah, I've got three projects in the works. I'm going to uh, Toronto in June to do a cancer benefit for a beauty contest, which I'm sorry I've forgotten the name of it. Uh, July, I'm in Baltimore doing a book signing and a speaking engagement in Hopkins. And in August, I'm starting to shoot a film uh, called A Naughty Thing Called Life off of the best-selling book out of London with um, the pro rugby player Papa Spike. And I'll be playing a vascular surgeon in that. Um, penciled at this point is um, they've got Vin Diesel and Bruce Willis uh, have have said something about playing in it, but I'm not uh, I'm not 200% sure on who the entire cast is yet. But uh, we're going to be shooting that in London, and in Florida, and in other locations in August. Oh my gosh! Well, good for you. Congratulations, and you know how jealous I am of all this showbiz work that you're getting but i'm i'm it's well deserved and uh i'm looking forward to seeing seeing um the the film what is it called again the film is called a naughty thing called life and oh, it's, a naughty based thing on, called... it's based on the true life uh situation 
of Edward Gear, who was a pro rugby player in England and a movie stuntman for many years. And uh, he is um, he is retiring now. He's written the book, and the book is on the bestseller list in London. And he actually personally contacted me because of my medical background and asked me to uh, play this part. And uh, after talking it over with him and everything, we're kind of going to go that way. And I, I really am looking forward to shooting a good guy part uh, because, you know, most of the things I'm involved with, I end up playing bad guys or uh, shellfish. Yes, that's right. You played you played a shellfish on Movie Addict Headquarters, Sebastian I the did. Crab, and you did I, it so well. I had, well, I had you, a ball. Yeah, and we had a lot of fun. You were great there. But, but you know, uh, we're going to look forward to that, uh, to seeing that film. And when you get uh, farther into it or when when it's completed, we'll, we'll have you back on the show. But I was wondering um, what you thought about uh, some of the things that Jack Lemmon said, or if you have any questions, maybe what you're – or what your favorite uh, Jack Lemmon performance or uh, film was that you'd like to share with the uh, I, listeners? I have to say that my all-time favorite Lemmon film is, is always going to be The Odd Couple. Always has been. Although The Apartment, Wine and Roses, Anton Pulver, Mr. Roberts, I have all of these films, and I've watched them uh, no, more times than I can count. Now, for Chris, I'd like to say that he brought a whole new meaning to my enjoyment of The Odd Couple by watching the commentary with him and Charlie talking about the movie as the movie was going on. It's almost like not only do you get a great movie, but you get that insight that like you're personally part of the film. And uh, I really love that about the, uh, the Odd Couple commentary version. Well, I'm going to have to get that, and um, that's The Odd Couple, and, uh, and it's a, a DVD that people can probably order from Amazon.com, and we'd get to hear Chris or see Chris commenting about the, about the movie. And Charlie, when you said Charlie, you meant Charlie Massau? Yes, yes, uh, Walter's son, Charlie. Ah, well, that would, that would be great to, to see that. What, well, what do you think? is um, the secret of Jack Lemmon's success. Well, I think his relaxed chemistry and availability to the other people that he worked with, he not only brought them to a new level, but he would adapt himself to fit so comfortably in working off of them that they couldn't help but be successful in creating a whole new level of the part. And because of that, you know, you don't see that very often in um, in movies, but that was the thing that Jack and Walter did, and, and but Jack was able to pull it out of anyone he worked with. You saw it a lot with um, uh, Redford and Newman when they did stuff together. They had that mm -hmm. same melbourne capability that they drew on each other's energy they had their timing down they knew what they were going to do and they made the scene come alive by just the way they interacted you know um jack and, and walter were able to do that almost relaxed as if it wasn't a script as if two old friends playing these parts as if they had been these people in real life. And uh, I, I, my favorite math outline was he, he was going to the track to visit his money. I always loved that. Yeah, that's true. 
I I think you're right about that, and of course, uh, always believable on screen. I mean, oh. just you know, just just um, Jack Lemmon just became the character. Hundred percent authentic why, all the way. Ex- yeah, exactly, and that's why I hope. That I'm just wishing Chris so much success with this play that he's doing. By the way, it's a play with music, and it's called Jack Lemon Returns. And as I mentioned, uh, Chris is playing his father, and I noticed that his voice sounds a lot like his father. Well, I was going to uh, say, voice. who else could play the part? Exactly. I mean, you couldn't. There is no casting for that part. Chris has to play his dad. Exactly, and he had this one one man show. I think that he was touring with. Uh, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we have Comedy Concepts. Uh, Nancy Lombardo from Comedy Concepts, I believe, is in the chat room, and she actually has uh, has seen that show at the at the Friars Club. And she mentioned on her own show uh, how much she enjoyed it and uh, what a great job that Chris did. Well, well, I'm hoping, and and by all of the things that I've heard, it's such a, a smash. That maybe it will go on to Broadway. Go on maybe the road. Some, yeah. Maybe and, go on and, the road. That would be great. Or go on the road. Or be, maybe it's it, a movie could be made from it, and I might get to see it. I just uh, love the idea of it, and I'm just wishing him so so much success. And um, we mentioned uh, comedy concepts, so now I, I need, I want to play one of our favorite promos. But stay stay on the line, Morgan. Here's one of our favorite promos. Hi, comedian Nancy Lombardo here, host of Comedy Concepts, Blog Talk Radio. And when I need my movie fix, you'll know where I'll be found. That's right, every Tuesday at 4 p.m., listening to Betty Jo Tucker on Movie Attic Headquarters, Blog Talk Radio. Show me the funny, Betty, show me the funny. <laughs> Thanks so much, Nancy. I that love that. Promo. Isn't that great? I don't have any money to show her, but I have a lot of appreciation for Nancy for doing that promo. And uh, I hope everyone will check out uh, Nancy's uh, show, Comedy Concepts. You can hear it here on Blog Talk Radio every uh, Friday morning and every Monday morning at 10.30 Eastern Time. And uh, as I mentioned last week on the show, uh, I have to warn people because they might get addicted to that show like I am. I mean, there's so much great music, and Nancy interacts with everybody in the in the chat room, and there's great comedy bits, and um, I, I just love to end my week with uh, comedy concepts and begin my week with comedy concepts. So, so dear listeners, please, uh, please check out uh, Nancy's great uh, show. Uh, I may have oh to go my back gosh. to New York just yes. to have coffee with her. You want to go backstage and have coffee with her? Yeah, I want to go back to New York and have coffee with uh, Nancy Lombardo. Yeah. Well, I do too. I uh, I just think uh, she would probably uh, have you laughing all the time. You might spit out your coffee, though. I don't know. We might work well together. Well, I think you would. Yeah, you could you could do your do your own show. I mean, she's got she. What does she do? She writes. She sings. Oh yeah. She's, and she's on uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, 
I always uh, I always watch it whenever I know that she's going to be on it, and uh, she's just um, really very very talented, and we're just so happy happy and lucky to have her as one of the hosts on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Well, I can't believe that we uh, that we've practically used up all our time, and I just am delighted, Morgan, that you uh, that you tuned in because I've I've been wondering what you've been up to, and I know a lot of our listeners have been wondering about that too so thank you so much for for calling in and uh, break a leg in all these things that you're doing okay always my pleasure i love doing your show you actually caught me in between airplane flights because i'm getting ready to go on the road for another book tour and uh i uh, i'll be tuning in from time to time on the road so i can listen to you Oh, I hope that you will, and uh, good luck with the with the book tour, and uh, we'll we'll keep in touch. So, but bye for now. Take care. Thanks, Morgan. Oh, I'm so glad that that Morgan called in, and um, I do want to uh, thank Chris again for that terrific interview. Now, you only got to hear part of it. But if you want to hear the entire interview, it is in the archives, and all you have to do is look up uh, Jack uh, Lemon Remembered uh, or A Twist of Lemon, and you can hear the entire, the entire uh, interview. Well, I see it's almost time to wrap things up, so I want to thank all of the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support. I want to thank Nancy for the promo again and for being in the chat room. I want to thank Nikki, our ex- uh, producer extraordinaire, for everything she does to make sure that Movie Attic Headquarters happens. And I want to remind everyone who is in the, San- in the uh, Chicago area to, uh, to go and see Chris Lemon in Jack Lemon Returns at the Royal George uh, Theater there. And thanks to our chatters, and I um, think that we should today, since uh, we've been paying tribute to one of Hollywood's legendary actors, I think it's only appropriate that we should go out with my favorite rendition of Hooray for Hollywood!
Lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.